0: Welcome to the Visegrad Insight Podcast, from Central Europe, on Central Europe.
1: It's Wednesday, August 18th, and the severe situation in Afghanistan has been the focal point of global media and the public opinion. Meanwhile, politicians in Central Europe are going about their business as usual. What has been the CEE state's response to the situation in Afghanistan? What will happen to the controversial media law in Poland? And does the Czech opposition still hold any chances in the coming elections in October? My name is Marisa Ciubka and Wojciech Psybelski is here with me. Wojtek, what's been the highlights of this week in politics?
0: Global politics is today about Afghanistan, the role of the United States. Each country responded of the at least of the V four. I mean we're dealing with the whole of the sea region or I would just mention the four responses of four countries here. Czechs were immediately sending an airplane in response to the critical situation over the weekend in Kabul. Slovaks uh, followed very quickly. Poles were mulling the decision and it was actually very much telling that it was the uh, national holiday, the day of the Polish army, 15th of August. When there were speeches. There were, uh, you know, the, the military parades, but any military plans and execution would follow only in the afternoon on Monday. I'll come back to that, of course, later because there is much more going on in Poland, perhaps more than in other countries at the moment. And in Hungary, we have seen, and um, the national holiday is actually upcoming next weekend. Uh, declarations from Prime Minister Viktor Orbán, who will be again the first to declare that he will not admit any migrants from Afghanistan, that it's America's fault and it's on Americans' he- heads to, you know, to deal with it. And I think this is very important because Central Europe and the Visegrad Cooperation has been coined around 2014, around the, the so-called migration crisis, where four countries responded more or less the same, vetoing any signs of solidarity with other Western partners, European partners, primarily, when it came to relocation, but this time the response you can see is different. It's also different than what we've seen, uh, uh, also from several other countries of the EU. So I think this is this is central to to the politics of today in Central Europe. Uh, and then there are peculiar developments in Poland. We can, we will, I'm sure, dwell upon. <laughs>
1: We're coming back, as you said, to the topic of uh, migrants and the lack of solidarity of central European states toward people in Afghanistan, really. Also, in the wider context of the ongoing developing migrant crisis in Lithuania, on the Belarus-Lithuania border, which might also soon result in a wave of migrants coming to the border with Poland.
0: I think they're already coming. The, the the reality on the ground is that Belarus is importing uh, migrants from Iraq. Rest assured that Afghan migrants will be exploited the same way by Okashenka. They'll be put on the border and border guards will cut the fences and will drive them or assist them to the border, pointing the finger towards uh, the country they are neighboring to and put some pressure to you know, create problem, create a problem. It's much bigger problem for Lithuania, it's much bigger problem for Latvia, where this situation has already spiked uh, response in the, um, you know, emergency, state of emergency has been declared by the border regions. Poland's much bigger in the sense of of its capacity, but also much lengthier border, and it's harder to control. And it may turn to be an electoral issue, again, uh, as a the poli- politics um, politicians tend to exploit it. Of course, now those who were in charge, do who are in charge, were, uh, are not campaigning against their own government. They are, uh, They promise was to be in control when a crisis happens.
1: So definitely, migration is a topic that we will continue to follow. And by the way, we want to invite you to an event we're organizing on Thursday devoted to discussing the topic of migrant migration crisis in Lithuania that is uh, also used as a um, hybrid war tactic um, by Lukashenko we are mostly speaking about Poland and Hungary in terms of this lack of solidarity but When we're on the topic of anti-migrant sentiments and uh, reluctance towards progressive politics, we should go to Czechia and discuss how Babiš's party has been gaining uh, support in the recent months against the predictions that Czechs might choose the most progressive government in the coming elections in October.
0: Yeah, what seemed to be a promise for Czechia with uh, a potential coalition Living on the horizon between pirate party and the the right wing coalition of parties does not seem to have the momentum necessary to win with Babish ANU party, despite being in the liberal grouping of the European Parliament, has a pretty eclectic agenda I mean their narrative are their narrative is about the conservative values, traditional family, society, no migrants and no changes to the Czech model of life, lifestyle. At the same time, it's uh, backed up by uh, quite a progressive social agenda, you would say, uh, along with uh, uh, subsidies and social help and all kind of social engineering uh, modern state can provide. So, all, all in all, it it gives uh, uh, Andrei Babish an advantage, uh, despite all the scandals, despite all the poverty and misery of of, of the corruption that we have been observing in last uh, years. So, uh, so these are the prospects today. The opposition there is not so strong. It's not the only electoral game to be watched. It's certainly not the most important one. Also for Central Europe, you know, German elections are much more important. But it's definitely an interesting twist and it's um and it goes against the trend that we otherwise see in Hungary and in Poland, where the government, illiberal government, is is losing. Maybe it's too early to call it losing, but they're definitely going down and the opposition is gaining track on the opinion polls. So we'll see how it goes.
1: And going back swiftly to the illiberal government in Poland, Wojtek. Uh, what's the most recent development on the Lex uh, Tefawen, the government's attempt to curb the functioning of Tefawen, the largest, um, one of the largest TV stations that is critical uh, of the government owned by a um, American company?
0: As I wrote in the piece uh, published last week, uh, No Holiday for Media and Democracy in Poland, this is only one of the chapters in a bigger play that is orchestrated and directed by Yaroslav Kaczynski to a certain degree, he's not completely in control. The fo- the, the ruling coalition fell apart. It it doesn't mean that the, the party, the united right or Mr. Kaczynski himself, lost power or lost control. He's testing grounds and he's launching an attack after attack after attack to test the limits of his power and to test the willingness of and, and possibility, uh, you would say, arithmetical possibility of, of ruling with a majority com- comprising of, of, of the MPs who would be bribed, coerced, or for whatever other reason join would be joining his government for the remaining time. So he has launched a number of initiatives, political initiatives, uh, look like cuckoo, they are insane from the point of view of pub, uh, public interest and the, the national interest of poland it's about aggravating the state of relations between Poland and the u s Poland and israel uh, European Union the you know judicial system it it goes against our vital interests in the region it's it flirts with the darkest powers uh, around the globe to you know i mean China for instance just to build a sense of control of a sense of having the political initiative in the hands of, of Mr. Kaczynski and his camp, and to test whether there are enough MPs who would just close their eyes and jump forward, no matter what's in front. Uh, and, and so far, it seems it's working so-so, like Stefan, the media amendment is uh, is. Is still being processed. It passed through the first reading and first vote in the lower chamber of, par- of the parliament. The senate will most likely, as I wrote, derail the the law. But it has thirty days, and then after thirty days, the same. We didn't uh, vote quickly, and and then the fate will be decided. What it, what's going to happen, and adapt the law or it wouldn't fail to have enough votes and if it has not enough votes then it will um, give uh, Mr. Kaczynski some some serious reasons to reconsider his strategy and not versus the media but in general his uh, also electoral strategy. Now the new element in this whole play is that well, the same Kaczynski would need a super majority or uh, it's called absolute majority in the Polish system to reject the veto from Senate, which requires uh, all absentees and all nay votes to be um, to be uh, in total less than yay votes of you know when he votes and he wants to, the bill to be passed. And if he gets that, then it goes to be signed. It gets to be signed by the president before it is uh, coming into uh, into force.
1: And will the president sign it?
0: And the president might sign it, but exactly on that day, fifteenth of August, the military parades and all that, he started a new theme, speaking out how much the alliance with the United States and how much the international treaties, bilateral treaty between Poland and the United States are close to his heart and how much he thinks about it and that we will always honor them as Poland. And then he was even so kind to remind us that he in fact has vetoed some of the laws proposed by the parliament, by the ruling coalition, his own camp in the past. And now people are starting to think, what is it all about? I mean, is it, again, a theater? Is it something organized, coordinated with Kaczynski most likely? Sending some signals of withdrawal, but through Duda, not through the same.
1: Maybe they got got afraid of the international response uh, to that matter, which was pretty strong.
0: Yeah, the international response is very strong. I don't believe they're guided by the international response themselves. I think what gave them food for thought was also public opinion polls, which show 70 to 80 percent of the respondents being considering it's a bad idea. Simply, they they don't see Lex Stefan and a new media law as a good change, let alone political as a affair or the political side of things here. <laughs> much much more if you want to take away one of the most popular. TV stations in Poland, well, you can't expect the, you know, majority of the of the people say, yeah, great, <laughs> switch it off.
1: And finally, we have Tucker Carlson in an interview with Viktor Orban that happened last week, in case you missed it, uh, might be an interesting watch. Definitely, there's still a lot of chatter on global media about that interview. Uh, The Washington Post, uh, for example, um, Hungary punked Tucker Carlson.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's and the story is hilarious, because Tucker Carlson, uh, Fox News anchor and essentially a right-wing Republican pundit, a strategist of communication to, to Donald Trump, went to Hungary to- To pra- praise
1: Orban, basically. To praise
0: him. Yes. And do a fantastic interview. That was a, kind of in the middle of a It was pretty scandalous, actually, because you know what, what Orban says and what he preaches today in politics is exactly, exactly non-democratic. And then Carson wanted to sell him as the most successful democratic leader on the right side.
1: Who is also lynched by the Western Europeans for being attached to family and conservative values.
0: Yes, exactly. And then... Uh, He he had an interview. In an interview, he asked the question about China, quite confront confrontational towards uh, Orbán's policy of uh, you know of 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 getting cozying up with to to Chinese interests in Europe. Uh,
1: Definitely very uncomfortable for Orbán. Yeah, and he diverted the
0: question, and then eventually. This question and this answer has been cut off. They were deleted from the official transcript on the website. And this was discovered by Benjamin Novak uh, from New York Times, correspondent um, for New York Times in Budapest. It became quite a scandal. Oh, I'm sure Viktor Orban received quite a number of telephone calls from Henry Carlson of you know become being censored. And then the interview came back and the the full transcript had to come back. Most likely, it wasn't Viktor Orban's decision to cut it, but his aides, his staffers, uh, and just shows how successful democracy Hungary is.
1: Definitely pretty ironic. And for anyone who has missed it, we do not recommend that interview.
0: We don't. But read about the story, it's quite hilarious.